Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of If These Hills Could Talk. I'm your old buddy, Tennessee Brando, and thank you so much for tuning in. I'm recording this on Christmas Eve, and so uh, I hope wherever you are in this country today, you're staying warm because, man, it has definitely been cold. We have saw Arctic blasts like we've never saw before. <laughs> and uh, I shared a meme the other day on Facebook showing the character Sub-Zero from Mortal Kombat, and it said, Sub-Zero wins. <laughs> he definitely has won here lately. Uh, right now, as I'm recording this uh, episode, it is currently 13 degrees in the Cumberland Gap. But uh, that feels like a heat wave because it's been down to zero. It's been zero, one, and two. I think yesterday it got up to two degrees. And so, uh, man, it has been really brutal. But um, we have made it. Uh, so far, I've been lucky. The power's only been out twice, and it came back on pretty fast. Uh, I'm not sure how long it was out the first time, because the first time it went out, I fell asleep. When I woke up, I realized it had been off. Uh, it might have been off for a few hours. But uh, then it uh, went off today for about 20 minutes, and it came back on. So, so far, we've been very lucky, and we've not had any pipes freeze, and our animals are all staying warm. So uh, we've, we've got uh, devices and things set up to keep them uh alive and and well so um i hope y'all are staying warm um now uh some people would say that you're not supposed to talk politics and religion on christmas and for years when we would go to christmas gatherings my mom would always say i don't start talking politics and i had uh, uh uncles growing up who were on different sides of the fence um and they would uh it would always be like don't don't bring it up they were telling both sides don't say nothing don't bring it up but um um, I figure I'll make this episode entitled Republican Jesus, and you don't have to talk about it at your, at your Christmas gatherings with your family, but uh, if you sit there at Christmas with your mouth shut the entire time and your ears bleeding from their Fox News logic, uh, then I figure you could play this episode on the way home from the gathering and go, well, at least there's one other person, and all the people that listen to If These Hills Could Talk, uh, they're with me and they see through this, so uh, I guess that's what this is for. Uh, you'll hear me pause from time to time because I'm still trying to get awake but I want to give a special shout out to my cousin and my dear friend Dewey Owens for uh, the Christmas gift he brought me. Um, it is a Miller High Life coffee mug, and it was full of homemade guitar picks by Dewey, and they're great. So uh, cheers to all of you. I am a JFG guy. For those of you that don't know what JFG is, that is coffee brewed right in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, a lot of the old-timers drank it when I worked at a, uh, a cafe for a while as a cook. Uh, they requested JFG coffee, and uh, I got it for them. And then I tell you, that's the only thing I had in common with them old dudes. <laughs> I, I love this JFG coffee, but, man, I was working in that cafe when Donald Trump won. And uh, they came in, and I was like, hey, turn on the TV. Turn it on. We want to see it. He won. Turn it on. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, I'm going to turn this on, and I'm going to go clean the toilets. Uh, you all holler if you need anything. But, uh, yeah, this week's episode is entitled Republican Jesus. And uh, before I go any further, I want to make it 100% clear here that I'm not saying Jesus is a Democrat. Uh, I'm not even going to say that he's liberal or anything. I'm not, I'm not going to make that argument, although it may sound like I am at times. The reason I call this episode Republican Jesus is because over the last, God, I don't know how many years, the Republican Party has definitely hijacked Jesus, and they have created him in their own likeness and in their own image, and they have used him to justify uh, their bullshit and uh, for those of us that grew up in church and were taught about him at a young age, uh, we realized real quick that they had lost the plot. We realized real quick that they had jumped the shark. But a lot of people just went right with it because 
they were brought up to never question God and to never question a man speaking about God. And I think that's part of the reason why that we ended up in the boat we're in. Uh, I have family members and cousins and people in my life that uh, that firmly believe and back Donald Trump and the MAGA Republican brand of Christianity. And I think they did so because they were taught as children to never question anyone in the church. And so when the church embraced that, they just rolled with it. It makes you wonder what the church would have to embrace for them to pull back from it, that is my question. But, um, you know, as far as the Republicans hijacking Jesus, I'm sure it's been going on uh, a lot longer than we realize. But uh, the one place that I really feel it started was uh, was probably uh, Richard Nixon. I would say that uh, Richard Nixon and his Southern strategy is uh, probably uh, one of the one of the times that it really began to pick up some speed. And what the Southern strategy was, it was a way for Republicans to gain votes in the South. And they asked themselves, okay, how do we do that? How do we appeal to Southern voters? Well, guess what you do? Uh, you look at what the Southern people believe in and what the Southern people stand for, and then you just exploit the living hell out of that. And that's what they did. They looked down here and they said, well, they all believe in God. They all go to church all the time, so we have to come off like we're God's chosen people. And they they all have guns, and they all shoot, and they all hunt. Uh, so we got to tell them that, you know, the communists are coming for their guns, and you know, we have to, you know, declare, if you'll notice, Republicans always declare war on ideas. Uh, they, they declare war on, uh, they don't, they don't actually declare war on a country. It's on drugs. It's on, it's on, it's on terror. It's on things that, that, that the enemy, they, they, they can make the enemy whoever they want to make it. But, uh, the Southern strategy, you know, really started, I think with Nixon and, um, uh, you know, Billy Graham used to go to the White House actually when Nixon was uh, vice president under uh, Eisenhower. And they would talk about ways that Billy Graham could speak from the pulpit to, you know, to frame us as communists. And that it goes back that far. Uh, you know, the Kennedys definitely were your more uh, liberal leaning uh, Democrats and they were Catholic. And that, that forced a whole lot of people out of the Democratic Party. Back then they were called the Dixiecrats. And that forced a whole lot of them out of the party when uh, suddenly... Uh, JFK and Bobby Kennedy uh, come along, you know, uh, supporting uh, equal rights and the Voting Rights Act and, uh, and trying to push through uh, things that help black people and people of color. Uh, and they were Catholics and they were, you know, a, a way more liberal people. Uh, that's when the shift started happening. So when people say to you, oh, the Democrats was a party of slavery. I mean, it's one of the most ridiculous things when people make that argument, because my argument is always like, okay, if you want to make that argument, who's the party that the KKK embraces today. Does the KKK embrace the Democratic Party? I don't think so. So that's that's really a, a lost uh, argument to have. But um, you know, then then you had uh, Ronald Reagan come along with the Moral Majority, and he had the help from the Reverend Jerry Falwell and Pat Robertson, Seven Hundred Club, and they just kept pushing this narrative forward. Then you know, um, I think definitely Bill Clinton didn't help matters. And what I mean by that is. You know, Bill Clinton come in, and even though he created 22 million jobs, even though he balanced the budget, even though he left us with a $2 trillion surplus, uh, that wasn't enough in their eyes because he cheated on his wife, you know, and he lied about it. He got caught lying about cheating on his wife, which is something that so many Republicans have done themselves. As a matter of fact, I went out, uh, believe it or not, my uncle bought this, and we, we, we read it. Um, Larry Flint published an episode of The Hustler magazine where he called out I can't remember how many Republicans, senators and congressmen and governors and people that had lied about cheating on their wives. He called them out for it. So it's hypocrisy. But, um, but Bill Clinton, nonetheless, he, you know, he cheated on his wife and he lied about it. And that really set the stage for them to say, well, now we got to get back to having morals and values in the White House. We got to get back to somebody that has values. And they went to George W. Bush. 
Um, and then 9-11 happens, and now it's like, okay, by God, we really got to get patriotic, and we really got to get behind our God and get behind George W. Bush. And since then, with the rise of Fox News, it's just it's just uh, snowballed, uh, like a snowball headed for hell. And, you know, I really thought, though, I really used to think there has to be a cutoff point somewhere. These people just won't embrace anything. I could honestly, I wasn't a fan of George W. Bush, but I could look back at it and I could say, okay, well, he was raised in church by Christian parents. I do believe that he understands or knows the Bible a little bit, a little bit, notice this is a key phrase, but I believe this man was raised and brought up this way, and at heart... I don't necessarily think George W. Bush was 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 a was mean-hearted, was cruel-hearted as much as obviously Dick Cheney was. But I I think that you know I, I could look at W. and I could say okay, I could understand how you might embrace that guy. But when Donald Trump came along, that should have been the point when everybody pulled back and said, wait, this is not what we're for. And uh, I'm going to uh, point some things out about uh, Christianity and about the Bible, and I'll I'll pull from the Bible as we're going here. But uh, when I was growing up in the Pentecostal church, I was taught that um, uh, forgiveness was the foundation for Christianity, that the whole thing was built on the fact that Jesus Christ came to the earth and he died for our sins to give us a chance at eternal life. And if we would believe that he died for us, and I was told you had to believe that he was born of a virgin, you had to believe that he died for your sins, you had to believe that he rose from the grave on the third day, and you had to believe he was coming back again one day to get you. And if you believed all those things, then... uh, uh, you would have eternal life. And he died to give you that chance. But I was taught that forgiveness was the foundation of it all. And I was taught that once someone uh, was forgiven, that we were supposed to welcome them into the flock. So it didn't matter who came to church. If the biggest drunk, the biggest sinner, the biggest party animal, the biggest whore, the biggest whatever, walked in off the streets and went to that altar and professed his faith in Jesus Christ and claimed to get saved on that altar, we were all supposed to embrace him we were all supposed to welcome him or her into the flock and make them part of us. And and the key uh, thing here in the Pentecostal faith is when Jesus would forgive someone, he would say, you are forgiven of your sins, now go and sin no more. So now you were supposed to live a good, clean Christian life once you did that. And no matter who this person was, you were supposed to forgive them. Now, Ask yourself this, how many times over the years have you heard a Democratic politician use the phrase Merry Christmas and it wasn't good enough for Republicans? How many times have you heard uh, Democratic presidents say God bless America and that wasn't good enough for Republicans? Um, The entire time that Barack Obama was in office, he got accused of being a Muslim. And no matter how many times he said to us, I'm a Christian, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It it did not do Barack Obama one ounce of good to say that because they were hell-bent on painting him and framing him as the enemy they wanted to frame him as, which goes against the very book that they're reading from because they're supposed to welcome this man into the flock. They're supposed to forgive this man, and they're supposed to now work along beside him as a Christian. But they refused. And any time Barack Obama ever, I mean, the man said Merry Christmas every single year. Michelle and I wishes you have a Merry Christmas. No matter how many times, there's a video, I found it, a video clip of Merry Christmas, everybody, Merry Christmas. He said it a thousand times, but it wasn't enough for these people because they have to paint that they are the party of Jesus, that it's them that is got Jesus's approval. Meanwhile, they rack up more sins on their plate than anyone I've ever seen. They, they, they wind up getting caught in all kinds of things. I'm just going to go, for example, we'll use her. She's, she's low-hanging fruit. I'm going to grab it, okay? Marjorie Taylor Greene. 
Marjorie Taylor Greene loves to thump on the Bible every opportunity she gets. She loves to pull from it and thump on it and quote it. And if her opponent don't say Merry Christmas loud enough or doesn't say Jesus is the Son of God loud enough, well, she has something to say about it. And yet, she cheated on her husband with a tantric sex guru, uh, you know, the entire time. Now, I have no problem with Marjorie Taylor Greene doing that. As a matter of fact, that might be the coolest thing she ever did was go to a tantric sex guru. But according to her very own book now that she has, that she has cheated on her husband, she's not to open her mouth ever again. But, you know, she's going to continue to do so. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go right here to the Bible. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the passage here. That this passage sticks out to me. And every time that Republicans try to come off like we're the party of Jesus and we're the party that supports Jesus Christ, I go to Matthew chapter 25. And that's what I really want to break down today. We'll go to Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. It said, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right and put the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye be blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous, and that's the key word, the righteous. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed you? Or when saw we, when did we see, I'm reading from the, the, the original King James Bible, and I, this, this begat, begat, lo and behold, is getting to me, so just give me a second. <laughs> Um, so anyway, when did, when, when were you sick and did we visit you? And the king shall say unto them, verily I say unto you insomuch as if you have done this for the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Now let's, let's point something out here. He says, when you did it for the least of my brethren, you did it for me. So in other words, when you gave the least of the hungry something to eat, not when you gave your rich neighbor a fruit basket. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about when you took you know, your minister, a turkey. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you did it for the very least of his brethren, meaning the ones in the most need. So if you helped the hungry, uh, then when you helped the hungry, you were helping Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying to the people right here in the day of judgment. Now, let me ask you a question. When is the last time the Republican Party has brought a bill to the table to help feed people? Every time we hear about free lunches in school, they're against it. Uh, every time we hear about people getting any form of government assistance, they want those people to have to pass the drug test first. Now, when Jesus fed the multitude on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, when did he, uh, when did he uh, say that, uh, you know, you all can come eat, but first you have to pass the drug test? Can someone find that verse in here? Because I've looked, and I can't find it anywhere. But how many times have we have they ever come up with a bill? They, they're the party of no ideas. I've said this forever. They have nothing. All they want to do is dismantle everything a liberal ever done, and they want to do it in the name of God. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, when it says here that uh, I was a stranger and you took me in, how many times have we heard the Republican Party do nothing but demonize refugees? How many times have we heard them demonize anyone seeking refuge in this country? How many times have we saw them separate parents from their babies and stick those babies in cages? How many times have we saw those things happen? 
So those were the least of his brethren. Those were the people struggling to get here. Those were the people who crawled through through hellfire and brimstone to get here to better their life. And they, they and they they came here. I have I have said and had long winded conversations with uh, Latinos. I worked with them uh, for years. And they liked me because they knew they could trust me and they knew that I was on their side and I, they would sit and talk with me. And, uh, and they actually said to me one day, one of my, I won't name his name on here, but one of my dear friends, he, uh, he said, uh, we like you because you don't have a problem with Mexicans. And, uh, he, he said, he said, we know that we can, we can say anything we want around you and, and we're good. And they could, um, I knew what hell they went through to get here. And I knew what hell their family was still living in, in Mexico. Uh, a dear friend of mine had a, a mom and dad still there and an older son still there. And he was trying to get him here because he said to me one day, I'll never forget this. I said, well, man, don't you just live in constant fear? You know, don't you live in constant? He said, no. He said, because your jail cells are better than the nicest home in my neighborhood. Uh, that should stop anybody in their tracks. If that's not the least of Jesus's brethren, I don't know who he is. However, that guy was constantly demonized by people who claimed to go to church every Sunday and who claimed to be religious people. He was constantly demonized and put down for that. And I personally never could understand how that worked. Uh, I remember back then, you know, working along beside of him. I'm telling you what's the truth. Uh, I couldn't keep up with him and I didn't try uh, because he worked circles around me. He was the first to show up and he was the last to leave. And yet somehow uh, guys I worked with would spin it that he was lazy and that he was just over here, uh, he was going to come over here and rape their daughters. I never could figure it out. The guy was one of the nicest, down, most down-to-earth people I've ever met, and I would trust him with my life. And yet, because he had a different skin tone, and because Donald Trump told them to hate him, I guess they felt the need. But when have the, when has the Republicans ever treated people like that good? And right here in this, this scripture I pointed to, uh, they're supposed to do just that. Um, moving on to... The sick. Uh, where's the Republicans' health care plan? They've done nothing but try to dismantle Obamacare. They've done nothing but try to tear that down. But where's their plan? Uh, we never saw it. Donald Trump never produced his plan. And as far as I was in prison and you visited me, how many times have we heard the Republican Party do nothing but demonize anyone that ever did time, call them thugs, call them animals, call them everything under the sun, and yet... Uh, they have broke the law time and time again and should be put right in there with the worst of the worst. But uh, they find ways to spin it to say it's all a conspiracy theory and that we're all working against them. But let's go on. Let's keep reading here in uh, in, in Matthew uh, chapter 25. If you go down, drop down to verse 41, it says, Then he shall say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, you're cursed into an everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you, you took me, you not, did not take me in. Uh, naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. And they shall answer to him and say, But Lord, when did we see you that way? And he will answer to them and say, Verily, in so much I say, when you did not do it for the least of my brethren, you did not do it for me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now, nowhere in that verse of Scripture did it say the words Democrat and Republican because they weren't even created then. And nowhere did it say the ideas like conservative or, or liberal. What it said was who did the, the, the will of God. That's what it's saying. My grandpa used to tell me all the time because of Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Judge not that ye be not judged. And my grandpa used to always say that to me. Uh, but he would say to me, he'd say, Son, we can't judge these people 
but we can be fruit inspectors because the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. So we can, we can look at their fruits and we can see what kind of fruits is on their tree. And that's, that's the point I'm trying to make here today is the fruit on their tree is pretty damn bad. Okay, they have done nothing but use Jesus to justify their wrongdoings. They have done nothing but use Jesus to demonize other people. They have done nothing but use Jesus to condone every act they do. And in their mind, they are forgiven because somehow they're the party of Jesus and we're not. And no matter how many times we say Merry Christmas, no matter how many times we say God bless America, no matter how many times, and it's not even about that. It's not even about the cliches. No matter how many times we feed the hungry, we give the thirsty something to drink, we put clothes on people's back, we help the people that are coming for refuge, no matter how many times we do that, they're going to turn around and they're going to demonize us to hell and back. And they're going to do so because they've latched on to two ideas. And the, the, the one idea is abortion. They're going to say that we are the party that wants to kill babies, flat out. That's what they're going to say. Uh, we come off like that we just sit around and just laugh about it and think it's the funniest thing ever. I can tell you one thing. I have a shit ton of liberal friends. I have a shit ton of conservative friends. I have never heard anyone on either side of the aisle say that abortion was a good thing. I have never heard anyone say, oh man, I can't wait for my daughter to have one of those. It's not something that we on the left believe in. It's not about believing in it. That's the point I've tried to make for years. It has nothing to do with that we believe in it. Um, we just believe that it should be an option that a woman should be able to, to choose what to do with her own body and that the government should not be in control of her making those decisions. There is so much. There, It's such... See, Republicans think in black and white. They just they, There's no middle ground. There's no gray area for them. It's all cut and dried. That's it. So they choose up sides really quick. They choose their uh, they 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 pick their stances very fast because they don't think very much. I'm not I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm not trying to be a dick here. They just don't really look at the gray area. It's what are you for? What are you against? I'm for this. I stand for this. I stand against that. And they don't look at the gray area. I have never met a liberal that said, "Boy, I just can't wait to to go out and kill a baby today." I've never met I've never met one that said that because that's not what it's about. But that's one of the issues that has caused so many people to vote against them, evil Democrats, because them evil Democrats just want to kill babies. However, uh, the Democrats, once the people, once the children get here, we're the ones that tries to get them free lunches in school with the Republican Party kicking and screaming against it every step of the way. We're the one that tries to clothe them with the Republican Party kicking and screaming every way. We're the one that tries to give them something to eat. We're the one that tries to give them something to drink. We're the one that tries to welcome them in when they're seeking refuge. And we do it with the Republican Party kicking and screaming against us every step of the way. Now, the other issue that they love to, they love to jump on is the issue of homosexuality. They love to go there more than anything in the world. And they love to say that, uh, that, that, that homosexuals are living in sin. Uh, I hate to say this to you, but if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you believe in the New Testament and you believe in forgiveness, going back to that, what I said earlier, you, you believe that you should forgive people for their sins and you believe Jesus died for those sins. If he is the way, the truth, and the life, then I want to point out that he never utters a word about homosexuality. If it was such a big issue, such a major thing, Jesus, if he was the Son of God, had all the power in the world. He could see into the future. 
You, you, I mean, if you're going to say he was that powerful that he could raise from the dead on the third day and he's coming back to do it again one day, he's going to do a, a sequel, he's going to come back one more time, if you really believe he's that strong and that powerful, then you would have to believe that he could look to the year 2022. And if you look to the year 2022 and saw uh, people living the way they wanted to live, he could have easily said, oh, wait a minute, hold on, there's going to be gay and trans people in 2022 uh, using their pronouns? Oh, well, I better say something about that. But he didn't. He never utters one word about it. So if it was that big of an issue for, for Christians, why didn't the main guy, the front man for their party, <laughs> let me the, the real the real deal here, uh, never brought it up. He definitely brought up helping people. He definitely brought up uh, you know uh, doing unto others as you would have them treat you. Jesus' teachings are very basic and very simple, just how to treat people and how to speak with respect and how to speak with some dignity and how to just live a clean life. And you're even supposed to do it quietly. You're not even supposed to get up and thump your chest according to Jesus. According to Jesus, you're supposed to go into your closet and pray in secret. And whatever you uh, ask the Lord for in secrecy, he will give it to you openly. Uh, you're not supposed to give people things for something to come back at you in return. That's not the reason why we give to somebody. Um, so it's not supposed to be, um, you know, a, a show that the Republican Party is putting on. As a matter of fact, uh, and I may circle back to this in a minute, but as a matter of fact, you know, Jesus speaks a whole lot against, um, he speaks a whole lot against people making it into a show. He, it, It's more about, he that not, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom, but he that does the will of my Father. And, and that's something that Jesus points out several times. But getting back on the uh, subject here of, uh, of a homosexuality and that being a reason why they love to, uh, to condemn uh, liberals. Let's see if I can find this here. You go back to the book Leviticus, which is Old Testament. And like I said, if you believe that uh, Jesus is... Uh... Yeah, here we go. Now, if you, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God and he came to change all this, then then you really shouldn't be cherry-picking it, but they will. Um, in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, it says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. It goes on to say, Neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself wherewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down. Okay, uh, now, they will pull that verse out. They'll cherry-pick that one. Uh, right over here in chapter 19, it says that ye shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shall you mar the corners of your beard. Ye shall make no cuttings into your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you, for I am the Lord. I have tattoos. I have 10 or 11. I've not counted lately. I, I think I got 10 or 11. Um, and I plan to be sleeved eventually. Um now, my grandmother uh, covered for me when I got tattoos. And guess how she did it? She said, well, she said, I really wish she hadn't done that. But uh, that's okay because, see, that's of the flesh and that's Old Testament. See, Jesus was talking in Old Testament. That, that's Moses talking in the Old Testament there. Now, Jesus never really said nothing about tattoos. And so, uh, so, so that's of the flesh and that's Old Testament. So old Brando, he's safe. He's good. Lord will forgive him for that. I wish he hadn't done it, but the Lord will forgive him for that. Meanwhile... Meanwhile, uh, she completely passed judgment on my openly gay cousin. And in her eyes, he had no shot. And I said to my very own grandmother, well, Mama, uh, why? You're cherry picking. Because you're picking from the same book. And you're justifying what I'm doing 
Uh, I'm also cutting. I'm also cutting my hair, and I'm also trimming my beard too. Uh, I'm also uh, eating pork. I'm also eating catfish. I'm also wearing two different types of fabric. And so, man, I'm sorry, but I'm living in a whole lot of sin too here. So why are you picking on him? They pick on him because it's something they fear. It's something they don't understand. And that's all it boils down to. But those are the two issues, abortion and gay marriage. That's the main two that causes good, decent people. That's, that's the point I want to make here, folks. I'm not necessarily bashing and slamming every single person who casts a vote for Donald Trump. Okay, I know a whole lot of good-hearted people uh, that would give you the shirt right off their very backs. They would help you. Uh, but meanwhile, they would stand back and demonize everyone else under the sun and demonize things they don't understand out of fear because that's what they've been told. They've been told that these, you know, um, evil Democrats are coming for the babies and, and just embrace any kind of lifestyle in the world. But again, Jesus never mentions those things. And if that's who they believe in, if that's the front man for their religion, then he didn't say anything about it. So I don't see why they still want to keep keep it around. But they keep it around to appeal to a certain kind of voter. They know who their base is. They, knew who, they know who they have to appeal to. And that's why they, uh, they, they embrace stuff like this because they know that out here, they know who they have to appeal to to, to, to get their votes. And that's all this is about for them. It's, it's, about, it's about building and gathering their base. But there's one thing I want to point out here, and the thing I want to point out is there's so many times in the Bible when Jesus speaks about false prophets. He actually talks about people who are going to come along in the last days, and they're going to use his name, and they're going to use his ideas basically as stage props to win people over. But he's warning you that these people are not actually on his side, that they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Uh, and if you go to Matthew chapter uh, 7, which I already name-dropped earlier when I mentioned the line, um, judge not that you be not judged. Um, if you go to, to verse 15 of chapter 7 of Matthew, Jesus says, beware of, and this is Jesus Christ talking, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but in, inwardly are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits, do men gather grapes or thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but the corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth that not that does not bring forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the lake of fire, whereby their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not in your name? Have we not cast out devils? And in thy name have we not done wonderful works? And I will profess to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Therefore, whosoever hear these things, sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken to him a wise man who built his house on a rock. And when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that hear these words of mine and does them not shall be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat down that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So, 
I don't know about you, but as I was reading that, I was kind of picturing Marjorie Taylor Greene. I was kind of picturing Lauren Boebert. I was kind of picturing Donald Trump. I was kind of picturing uh, George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan and everyone else that came before uh, that that does do and say things in his name. I mean, we, we can't argue that, yeah, they use his name a lot. But he clearly points out here that it's not about that in his mind. And I want to point something out. I'll give you a Brando parable. I have five children and a grandson. I have four boys. I have a girl, and the girl gave me the grandson. So I have a total of six children, children and grandchildren. Um, I can say this. If, if one of my sons went around quoting everything that I ever said, uh, singing every song I ever wrote to the top of his lungs, but treating people like shit, I wouldn't be happy about the fact that he was going around singing my songs. Uh, that wouldn't necessarily please me. I'd be like, well, son, you know, thanks. Uh, thanks for going around singing my praises, but uh, you've, you've, you've kind of been a dick to people, and now people are going to kind of begin to judge me based on how you've acted. Now, meanwhile, if I had a son over here who never really quoted me, never really... Uh, sang any of my songs, never really told people who his dad was, but he was out there treating people good, uh, I would be so fucking proud of that kid. And I actually, I am. My oldest son, I don't think has ever, and I may be wrong, if he listens to this and calls me out on it, I'll come back and tell you I was wrong, but I don't think my son has ever shared one song I've written. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he has. I know he's listened to my music, but my son has very different taste in music. So I'm sure that my brand of it probably isn't necessarily right up his alley. He has a different taste in music, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, now, I have a 15-year-old uh, son who absolutely loves it, learning how to play my songs as we speak, and you'll probably see him standing on stage when we play them one day. I love them both the same. I'm not casting the older son out because he doesn't sing my praises constantly. It, it, it's really common sense if you think about it. Just because someone is out here saying stuff in the name of Jesus does not necessarily mean that Jesus is pleased with that. And if you have children, you got to ask yourself the same thing. You know, if you had a kid out here that was uh, that was constantly praising you but being a dick, uh, you wouldn't even want your name associated with that. And I think that's the point uh, here of what that Jesus was trying to make. It's like, look, just because you stood up and said these things does not mean that you had my approval because you had to do the will of the Father, not just say it. And... Um, that's pretty much what I think of when I hear these people um, uh, talking. You know, um, it's funny uh, how it works because uh, I saw a clip earlier today on Twitter of John Snyder who played Bo Duke in Dukes of Hazard. Apparently, Joe Biden made a speech on Christmas. I missed it, but apparently he made, a, he made a Christmas speech, and in it he said the phrase, Son of God, but he didn't go out of his way to say that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. So now old Bo Duke's pissed uh, because he says that when Joe Biden stands before God, he's going to have to explain why he didn't say Jesus was the Son of God. And I'm convinced that no matter what we say, they're never going to forgive it. They're never, they're never going to welcome us into their flock. Uh, but that's the kind of ridiculous shit I hear them say. Well, he didn't say it, okay. But he has produced a whole lot of bills to help people. He has produced a whole lot of bills that, that could put uh, food on people's table and clothes on their back. Um, so, but it's just, just ridiculous. I, I absolutely, I just, I, I get so, uh, I do, I get bent out of shape when I hear them latch onto this because I feel like that, you know, I was raised up in church. 
I was taught to believe. I always had questions. I was always somewhat of a doubt in Thomas, but I always, I always had my questions and I always tried to follow it and take it seriously. That's the thing I want you to understand. I know I've made countless TikToks completely dismantling Christianity. I get it. Some people would say, well, Brando just loves to tear down Christianity. But you know, if you could see into my heart of hearts here, I never really have been aiming at Jesus Christ. I never really have been aiming at the good people. I've been aiming at the hypocrites that Jesus has constantly uh, shouted down. That's the people in my mind who I'm really aiming the TikToks that I've made about it at. Uh, because I feel like that somewhere along the way, uh, Christians lost the plot. I grew up with cousins sitting right on the same damn pew as me uh, who watches Fox News and drinks that Kool-Aid wholeheartedly. And I'm saying to them, why did you, where along the way did you not realize that everything they preached, I heard the sermons about the false prophets. I heard the sermons about the people who would, who would look one way but act another. And these people are blatantly doing it. They're blatantly doing it. They're not even trying to hide it. They're saying all the quiet parts out loud now, and people are going right with it. They're rolling right along with it, not questioning nothing, and I'm the communist asshole if I rock the boat. It absolutely, folks, I'm sorry, it makes zero sense to me. I can't make it make sense. I've got my Bible laid out here on my table. My mom bought this for me back 20 years ago. I think she bought this for me when I got married for the first time. It's falling apart, man. It, it really is. But yeah, she got, no, actually, she got this for me January 5th, 2003. So I, yeah, I'd been married for about two years at this point. My mom got me this Bible, and I have read it so much, and I have got so many passages uh, marked, circled, uh, highlighted. That's something my grandfather taught me to do. Uh, but there are so many uh, phrases, like right here, uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, it came to pass, Jesus said at meet in the house, uh, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why do you eat with the sinners? And Jesus said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But yo ye and learn what that means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not I can't I not came ah shit. I am not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance. You know, um I've always loved that verse. Because Jesus is constantly being accused of being a sinner. He's constantly uh, uh, be, being accused of being a, a drunkard. I'm going to keep going here and just see if I can find some more random stuff uh, for you as we, as we close out here. I'm, I'm, I'm getting toward the end, I guess. But, uh, uh, you know, there, there's just so much to, to be found in here. And I've always kind of leaned. I really like, I like the Gospel of Luke a whole lot, but I really like the Gospel of Matthew. I think Matthew and Luke are my two uh, favorites. Um, but there's just so many verses of Scripture in here about um, about hypocrites and about hypocrisy, and there's so many times. I mean, if I can find it here, I'm going to pull from it. When uh, Jesus went into the uh, temple and ran the people out of it. Uh, okay, I know it's here somewhere. Um But, I mean, yeah, right here is an entire chapter, before I go there, right here is an entire chapter where he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and he's denouncing hypocrisy. Um, in Matthew 23, verse 3, But all their works they do for to be seen by men. They make broad, I can't pronounce this next word, and they enlarge the borders of their garments 
and love the uppermost rooms at the feast and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets uh, to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. Call no man your father upon this earth, for you only have one father. Neither be ye called masters, for you have one master, even Christ. But he that is the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he shall humble himself to be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes, you Pharisees, and you hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer them for entering to go in. Uh, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, for ye devour the widows' houses uh, for a pre pretense. Make long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greatest damnation. Woe unto you, hypocrites, for you can pass the sea and land, uh, and when he is made, ye make him twofold, more the child of hell than yourselves. Uh, I love this part here in, in verse 24. He says, You are blind guides which will strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Uh, woe unto you, scribes and uh, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within you are full of extortion and excess. I mean, it's just constant, folks. It, it is, it is li literally uh, constant. Uh, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge from your synagogues and persecute them from your city. I mean, I really believe that in time, over the years, we have been sent good men. Uh, and I believe we completely tore those good men down. I mean, how many good men have come along that, that have been murdered for trying to do the right thing? And how many people have been embraced um, that, that was absolutely, like I said, wolves in sheep's clothing? Um, trying to find the part where he threw him out of the temple that might be in a different gospel it's it, some gospels definitely um uh they they definitely they tell, some some will, like for instance i can't remember which ones it is but i know some gospels give accounts of the birth uh some gospels give accounts of uh of different things so i'm going to turn here and see if i can find it in another spot might have been in luke uh where jesus goes into the temple uh, but there is, I mean, folks, if you, if you really read your Bible and study it, there is absolutely so much uh, in here that is uh, warning people about people who is going to do it for the wrong reasons. Um, well, I know it's here, <laughs> but uh, here we go. Um, I'll find it. I'm not going to stop till I do. Probably just overlooking it. But... Um, Let's see. I look back here. Always turn to your index if you have trouble. It's probably right under my nose. But, uh, let's see. I hear my dogs barking, so I may have to take a pause and see what's up with them. Like they're actually out and about. But, uh, I know I have this plate. I know I have this marked, but I'm not finding it. Um, but I know when he went into the temple, he ran them out and he told them that, uh, I can almost quote it without finding it for you. I mean, he, when he ran the people out of the temple, he, uh, he said to them, they had turned 
the Lord's house into a house of, he said, my father's house is a house of prayer and you have turned it into a den of thieves. I actually, I think I might've even read that before on a previous episode because there's uh, so much uh, to be said here. Ah, I just found it. <laughs> I was ahead of myself. Uh, if it had been a snake, it would have bit me. I was, I was looking at Matthew and I was over in Matthew 25, 26. And uh, it's actually back in chapter 21 when Jesus enters into Jerusalem. Um, I've talked about this before because I point out how that he says to them they have to find him a donkey because the, it, the, the scripture said that the Son of Man would come on a donkey. But uh, right here, Jesus went into the temple of God. This is Matthew 21, 12. He went into the temple of God and cast them all out who sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables and the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, and you've made it into a den of thieves. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And uh, I can't find the line about the drug test, but yeah, he didn't drug test them. But uh, when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple and saying unto him, Hosanna, the son of David, they were sore displeased. And he said unto them, hearest, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said unto them, ye have never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise. Uh, and he left them and went into the city of Bethany and he lodged there. But, uh, you know, I really, anytime I've ever read that verse of scripture right there, I have always pictured the 700 Club. I've always pictured uh, Joel Osteen. I've always pictured uh, the TBN where the ladies got the big hair and the phony makeup. I've always pictured those being the type of people who Jesus would come back uh, and rally against. Uh, the Kenneth Copelands of the world. You know, people like that um, who rides around on these Learjets and rides around on all these uh, Cadillacs and, you know, and, and, and will actually go so far as to say, oh, well, we... Jesus wants us to be rich. And there's absolutely, you know, no uh, verse of scripture that backs that up. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, you know, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Uh, you know, he, he literally was a guy that just was pretty much a drifter. And if Jesus came back today, I'm pretty much going to wrap it up here in a second, folks. But uh, if Jesus were to come back today, uh, can you imagine the reaction from Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobert, and Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones? If Jesus came back today and held a big meeting with a bunch of refugees and fed them all for free, what do you think their reaction would be to that? Uh, you know, it's clearly a stage prop, folks. That's all this is. I, I, I do not take them serious. I'm sorry because, you know, I don't proclaim to be a Christian. I don't even proclaim to believe in any of it anymore. But the points I'm trying to make here is that if you do believe in this and if this is what you base your life on and if this is what you want to use to pass judgment on other people, um, then this is what the book had to say about it. You know, I have met so many atheists in my life. Uh, I was uh, one time a member of, uh, I guess I still am technically because I never withdrew my membership, but I was a member of the Knoxville Atheist Society. And uh, I would go to meetings with them and uh, sit around and talk and basically... Uh, the meetings, I, I wondered what they would be when I went. Basically, it was just a place for atheists and non-believers to fellowship, so to speak. And we would do so in a bar, <laughs> eat a pizza and drink some beer and eat some chicken wings and talk about how we were raised. Um, I kind of stopped going to those meetings because it was kind of like, well, I don't like to play golf either, but I don't necessarily have to go meet with a bunch of people that hates golf and talk about it. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the interesting part about the conversations I had with those, with those atheist uh, people in that group, man, uh, so many of them uh, 
knew the Bible inside and out, front to back. So many of them had been brought up uh, in church and were taught to believe. I don't think I ever met an atheist that was like just, well, I'll take that back. I know one atheist who was simply not raised in church at all, had no, his parents never turned him on to it. He just never was made aware of it uh, and never cared to be made aware of it. I know one person out of the hundreds of people I've talked to. Uh, for the most part, though, when I meet people that, that are no longer believers, that are now non-believers, that are atheists and agnostics, when I talk to them and ask them why they become an atheist and agnostic, folks, nine times out of ten, it's because someone in the church hurt their feelings. Nine times out of ten, it's because someone in their church made them not feel welcome. And nine times out of ten, it's because once they started reading the book for themselves, they found a whole lot of 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 inaccuracies. They found a whole lot of things that just didn't add up, and they questioned it. And when they questioned it, they were kicked out for questioning it. You know, uh, I've told on here before, I've talked in videos before, how my grandmother, you know, really wanted me to become a preacher. Uh, she really wanted me to preach, and uh, actually went so far as to say, well, if you would get in on that, you know, that's a pretty good deal to get in on. They could... Uh, if you got in on it, you know, that the church will put you up in a the home. They'll find you a woman. They'll pay all your bills. All, you know the book really well. All you got to do is get up there and talk. You got a good speaking voice. And I said to her, yeah, but, ma'am, there's a whole bunch of verses of scriptures of, about people that do it for the wrong reasons, you know. Um, in some weird way, uh, sometimes I, I, don't, I don't consider myself a preacher at all, but there's sometimes that I feel like that in my heart of hearts I'm actually trying to to say something that I wouldn't be allowed to say in church. You know, I, I would not be allowed to stand up and this podcast episode you've just heard would not be allowed to be voiced from any pulpit around here. Uh, and that's the thing that I've always tried to point out to people too is, you know, it's real easy to say, well, God told me this or, or it's easy to say, uh, I want a man who does God's will. Well, here's the kicker. Uh, you know, like, like going back to John Snyder saying that about uh, Joe Biden, about how I want a man that will run the country based on God's guidelines. Well, which God? You know, which one? Because I could go drive down the road here, and I guarantee you I wouldn't be able to go two miles, and I wouldn't pass five different Baptist churches, and all five Baptist churches have a different way of looking at it, and all five Baptist churches says that I should come to theirs because they're the ones that got it right. So if we did, say we just in a perfect world, we did give them uh, a Christian president that just, that just every, you know, that just completely based every belief and every decision he prayed before he did it openly, uh, there's a whole lot of Christians who would have a problem with it because he wouldn't be doing it the way they want to do it. You know, he wouldn't be doing it their, their brand. Um, so that, that's all uh, bullshit in my opinion. But, uh, you know, when you open up the door to let somebody govern the country based on their religious beliefs, you could easily end up in a Jonestown massacre pretty quick. And uh, I feel like we have in some ways. I feel like that Donald Trump, even though... Uh, you know, the people didn't drink the Kool-Aid and fall on top of each other. I definitely believe that he has just brainwashed so many people and uh, did so uh, using religion. And there's just so many verses of Scripture, so much stuff uh, to, to back up what I've said here. But, um, you know, I've just met so many uh, atheists over the years and agnostics that know the Bible inside and out. And then I've met people that, that have never left church that couldn't tell you jack shit about it. They, 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 they could not read or quote nothing other than something they heard their preacher say. And when you're sitting there listening to a preacher, you're listening to someone cherry pick from it. You know, you're listening to someone cherry pick to create the narrative that they want. And they're not going to read you the whole thing. Uh, they're not going to point those things out. And I've had people say, well, you just need to turn to God, Brandon. You need to turn to God and let God deal with it. And I've made this argument a dozen times. 
Let me get up on any pulpit in this part of the world and we'll just I'll just read this podcast back to them. I'll just I'll just reenact this podcast. Do you think they would let me up there? Do you think they would say, "Oh, Brando's been blessed by God?" No. If I if if I went into a church around here and uh if I went back to the preacher who baptized me, uh, I'm not going to say his name on here, but he's the, probably the most he is the most popular uh Minister of Middlesbrough, Kentucky, has the biggest church, has the biggest network, has the longest reach, has been in documentaries alongside of uh, of uh, Pat Robertson and all these different people. And fuck it. I mean, it's William Boyd Bingham. I don't give a shit. It's him. Uh, I'm not saying anything bad about the man here, but I have sat under him. I have talked to him for hours. I have literally sat and spoke with him for hours. And he one time told me that he thought I had one of the most brilliant minds ever. And he actually said it several times while I was sitting in his church and I was 20 year old back then. He's like, this man right here, this kid's got one of the most brilliant minds I've ever heard and I can't wait to see where he takes it. Well, he might not like where I took it. But um, the thing about it is, if I went back to his church today and I was raised up with this man, I was raised up under him, okay? But if I, but if I went back to his church and I stood up on his pulpit and I said, I just went up on a mountaintop and I just seen God. And God told me he wanted everybody in this church to know that black lives matter. And God wanted me to know that it's not, it's not the, all these things that we've talked about. He's not, he's not against you for who you love. You're free to love whoever you want to say. And God told me to say that. I guarantee you WB would shut me down pretty fast. And he'd say, whoa, wait a minute. Now you've got to go back over here and you've got to pray a little bit harder. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's always been my argument uh, about the whole thing. Uh, they, they say for us to turn to God, they say for us to pray about it, but if we prayed about it and had a different idea than they have, we would be condemned and damned out. And I mean, and anybody, I mean, I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. I think it's pretty much uh, how it would be. You know, I grew up uh, in, a, in the Pentecostal church, and then years later, I ended up going back to the Baptist church where he preached. And uh, I'll tell you this much about him. I'm not, I'm not on here to trash talk the man. He is one of the most charismatic entertainers that you will ever hear. And you can go on YouTube and find his videos, uh, Boyd Bingham III. You can, you can find his uh, videos, and the videos don't do him justice. You have to be in the room with this man to understand the, 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 the type of stage presence that he has. I have sat under him for years, um, and I have spoke with him at length in privacy. You know, he would come to my house to talk with me. I, I would go to his church, go right into his office, and sit and talk for two or three hours. Uh, he is one of the most charismatic people and one of the best entertainers I've ever seen in my life. Um, he has a way of, of captivating a crowd and getting a crowd worked into a frenzy. And, buddy, he is, he, he's a ball of fire when he wants to be. And I could sit under, I guarantee you, I could go back today at 42 years old. I've not, been, I've not been to his church in over 20 years. But I guarantee you, if I went back in there and sat down one more time, I would be willing to bet that he would, he, he would, he would strike some sort of emotion in me because he's that good at it. But... You know, if I said to him, well, I prayed about this and I want to say something different, uh, it, would, it would be quickly shut down. So the point I'm making is that when they tell us that we need to turn to God, what they're essentially saying is you need to turn to our God. You need to turn to the Republican Jesus that we have created in our own image. I've went back to that so many times and I've tried to explain to people, you're not... Um, your, God did not create you in, in, his, in, your, in his image. You have created God in yours. And that's what these Republicans have done. That's what the, and they took it now. It was one thing when Nixon had the mantle. 
It was one thing when Reagan had the mantle. It was one thing when George W. Bush had the mantle. And I'll say one thing about all three of them. I don't know that I can say it about Nixon. <laughs> I think he was a son of a bitch. But Reagan and W. probably at heart were good-hearted dudes. Uh, George H.W. Bush at heart uh, probably was a good-hearted dude. I can buy into the idea that those men at least had some sort of understanding of Christianity. But Donald Trump was as blind as a bat and as clueless as anyone could possibly be about it, went so far as to say he's never asked for forgiveness. I don't know why he should. Uh, couldn't name one book out of the Bible when they, when they asked him to name his favorite. He said, I like all of them. I, I, I couldn't really name one. Because he, he couldn't. Because if he didn't name, I mean, I'm sure he could have. I'm sure the man could have said Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, or he might have actually been able to say Psalms or Proverbs. But I don't think he would have ever been able to deep dive in there and tell you anything about it. And yet that is the man that these people have embraced. And that's the style of Republican Jesus they have embraced. And it blows my mind. And I sat down and I wrote a six-page letter to, to my minister, uh, William Boyd Bingham III. I wrote him a six-page letter back 20 years ago telling him why I wouldn't be back. And in it, I went into the Bible and pulled out the verse of Scripture where it says, there will be men come along in the last days and they will do great works in my name. And if it is possible, they will deceive the very elect. I considered someone like Boyd Bingham to be one of the very elect. I considered him to be a smart, intelligent man, but I cannot sit under him any longer. I cannot sit there and listen to what he has to say, knowing the, the, the version of Jesus that he embraces. Uh, I can't sit under it. I would debate him any day of the week. I would have him on this podcast. Trust me, it's crossed my mind to ask. I know the answer will probably be a flat no, because I don't think he would, he would be on my platform. He would probably let me come to his church and, uh, and, and stand me up on the, on, the, on the pulpit and talk over top of me. But I, I, have, I have very major doubts that he would ever be willing to sit down and let me hit record on this podcast and talk to me. But the invitation's open. I mean, it, it, uh, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't do it. I, I would absolutely do it um, and would have no trouble going toe-to-toe. Uh, and you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to say something that might surprise you. At the end of the day, you know, I grew up with the guy. He was, I don't ever remember him not being around because he was always part of my life. He was real close with my family, real close to my grandmother. Uh, to this day, if you ask me how I really feel about him, I still love the guy. I still do. I, I, I still love the guy. I just don't understand how he lost the, this plot that bad. I don't understand how he went off the script that bad. I don't understand how he jumped the shark so drastically. And, um... You know, I remember a, a conversation we had 20 years ago where he said, Brandon, just because something walks like a duck and quacks like a duck doesn't mean it's a duck. And I said, you're absolutely right. And yet here he is going after the biggest fucking duck of them all. And I'm like, wait, wake up. <laughs> like, 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 wake up. Like, what, what, what are you doing? You know, I mean, like, like this is the, the, the biggest phony in the world and you've embraced it. That's the questions I would have. But uh, yeah, this, this podcast is always open to sit down and talk with people of, of, of opposing beliefs. Uh, it's always open to sit down and, and have a discussion with those kind of people. Um, I'm, not, I'm not against that. I'm not against, I'm not against having uh, dialogue amongst them. And I would love to sit down with him one more time. Although I'm sure he probably wouldn't be too proud of some of the episodes I've done on this podcast. But um, you know, I just, I don't, I don't understand it, folks. I don't understand how they lost the plot that bad. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jesus, if he was here today, would be a member of the Democratic Party. I don't necessarily think Jesus would be a member of any political party. But I do believe that if, that if, that if someone came out with an idea to help children, I kind of think Jesus would be in favor of that based on everything I've read in the book. 
And if you want to add up the works that people are doing versus the, the cliches they're spouting, seems to me like the Democratic Party is rolling up their sleeves and doing a whole lot of the work, and the Republican Party is over here doing a lot of the cliches. And when it talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats, well, it just seems to me like that they're the goats. I'm sorry. That's not, and again, that's not me passing judgment. That's me inspecting their fruits. If I, know them by, if I will know them by their fruits, I can see the fruits that they're producing, and the fruits they're producing is leaving a whole lot of people out in the cold. Is it not? So anyway, um, I know this episode's been a little bit longer than some of the ones in the past. I've been recording on the Anchor app, uh, which really only uh, gave me 30 minutes. Uh, but I knew this subject was going to take longer, so I had to divide it up into parts. So if you hear, I'm going to edit it here in just a minute. If you hear some little songs playing in between little musical interludes, uh, it will be me trying to sync up the pieces together. I'm still new at this, folks. I don't have an editor. I don't have a team of people recording me. Uh, hell, I don't even have a theme song yet. So I, it, it's just it's just a dry open, me coming in, talking to you, telling you how I feel about things. And, um, you know, I just uh, I appreciate all of you for listening. I really do. And, uh, you know, I didn't, turn in, I didn't turn out to be the preacher that my grandmother wanted. Uh, and the reason being is because if I'd have stood up on the pulpit, uh, I would have had to said the things to you that I've said today. Like, I knew that 20 years ago. I knew that if I, if I were to ever stand up on an altar, I wouldn't be able to go along with their plot because they jumped a shark and I'd have to point it out. And if I pointed it out, I would be ran out of every church around here. But if you go back and read the scriptures and you read all the times Jesus went into the temples preaching, uh, they threw rocks at him too because he was constantly pointing out that they, they had jumped the shark even back then. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I might not have ended up being... Uh, what my grandmother wanted uh, but at the end of the day I still feel like that I need to say these things um, because if there's any shred of it left in me if there's any if there's one ounce of belief left somewhere tucked away uh, I do believe that I'm going to have to give an account for what I didn't say I really believe that if you that if, that if there's something out there greater than us and if there is a judgment and if I have to be judged for the stuff I did. I feel like the stuff I did will be looked at, but I feel like the things I didn't say will be looked at harder. The stances I didn't take, I feel like they will be looked at a little bit harder. And no, I, 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 I don't believe in a whole lot of it anymore. There's a whole lot of it that I don't believe. And it's, it's, it's people like Republican Jesus that has turned me off to it. And it's turned off a whole lot of people. That's the kicker, folks. Again, go out here and sit and talk with people and converse with them. My mother is one of the sweetest, most humble, laid-back women you'd ever meet in your life. Will give you the shirt off her back and constantly is doing for people every day of her life. She lives out Christianity and she lives out Jesus Christ better than anybody I have ever seen. And I'm not just saying it because she's my mother. I'm saying it because it's true. Uh, her own mother said it about her. Her own mother was nowhere near the saint that she is. Her sisters and brother was not the saint that she is. They, everyone would back me up on it and say, yes, she's clearly out of all of us. She's the one that's closer to God than any of us. And she doesn't go to church. And you want to know why? Because she votes Democrat and the church makes her feel guilty for it. The church makes her feel like shit about it. Uh, and, she, and, the, and they sit there and they talk their politics and look at her while they do it, and she can't feel welcome anywhere she goes. Uh, meanwhile, I've seen her clothe people, I've seen her feed people, I've seen her give the thirsty something to drink, and uh, I could call her at any point in the night, no matter where I was, and say, Mom, I'm in trouble, I need help. And as a matter of fact, any of my children could do that, or any of her 
an extended family could do that. And she would call me and she would say, hey, I just got a phone with your cousin that we haven't seen in 10 years, but he's stranded over here. You need to go to him. And meanwhile, some of the cousins I got, and yeah, I'm calling you fucks out. I, if we called you in need, uh, you would ignore the call. If I, I've, I've been broke down on the side of the road and had cousins drive right on past me. As a matter of fact, I, I was broke down on the side of the road one time and had a cousin drive by me that goes to church every Sunday. And then another time I wrecked and fled in a ditch, and the only other cousin I have who believes like me, who has liberal-leaning viewpoints and is pretty much agnostic, guess what? He stopped help old Brando. So, so yeah, that, that's, that, that's what it's like living here in this part of the world. And, um, again, folks, I thank you guys for listening to this and, uh, I'll close it out by saying that, uh, if you want to continue to follow uh, what I do, uh, on different platforms and catch me everywhere you can, uh, the best way to do that, I know most of you did it by, uh, uh, you discovered me through TikTok. So go to the original TikTok page, which by the way, just crossed over to 150,000 followers I think I'm at 151 now. I'm so proud of that. I uh, never would have thought uh, when I started a year ago I would make it this far, but I have, and, I, and you guys have done it for me. If you'll go to that Tennessee Brando TikTok account, go to the bio, click on the link tree. From there, you'll be able to go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, merch store. You'll be able to go to every damn bit of it, and you'll be able to find it. And uh, So go there and, and follow me on all the other platforms. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, 2023. Uh, I'm going to be opening up for the laid-back country picker, who is one of my absolute heroes. I can't wait for that moment. I'm going to be opening up for the laid-back country picker on January 13th at the Bell Theater in Pineville, Kentucky. Uh, also on the bill with us will be Wayne Graham. They're a hell of a band, and I can't wait to do it with them. Uh, I've got a hell of a band backing me up. My old buddy, Teddy Wilson, Buck, who's played with me for, God, 15 years probably. Uh, Buck will be on guitar with me that night. Uh, I will have Brian Stansbury on the drums. Uh, who's like a brother to me and like a like a and just a damn beast back there on the drums and I love him to death. And Brian thinks a lot like me. Brian's somebody that I need to get on this podcast because I think you guys would really get a kick out of Brian. Uh, I'm gonna, as a matter of fact, I'll just I'll get off here and message him and ask him when he wants to be on here. Uh, and then my my soul sister, the sweet Cecilia Wright, she will be on the bass, and uh, that's another one that I want to get on here one day and talk with because she's such an activist, helping so many people and doing so many cool things. She's working on a podcast right now. Uh, and it'll be coming out in January, or not January, but it'll be coming back out. It'll ah, it'll be coming out in the new year, and uh, when it does, I'm definitely going to be pushing and promoting that because uh, she's one of the brightest minds I've ever talked with, one of the most creative people, and again, somebody who, when you're down and out, and there's been many times I've been down and out, drunk and strung out, and I've been able to message and say, hey, and she's always been able to talk talk me down off my ledges, so... That's the band I'm going to have up there with me, Brando's Rebuilder Review. It's always a revolving door of, of the best of Knoxville and East Tennessee and Southeast Kentucky playing behind me. And so we're going to go out there and we're going to lay it down in front of the Layback Country Picker. And David Prince is one of my all-time favorite human beings. So January 13th, mark that one on your calendar for sure. Uh, Bell Theater, Pineville, Kentucky uh, will be there opening up for Layback. And then, you know, whatever comes in 2023, uh, I'll take it. Um, it's not been easy booking shows ever since I started talking the way I talk. Uh, there's a whole lot of places that, uh, don't return my calls anymore and don't return my emails. And you're never going to hear me say that, uh, they violated my first amendment, right? They've not, uh, they, if they don't want to be associated with what I have to say, they don't have to be. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to go there and, and cry and pound on their door. If they don't want me back at their festival, if they don't want me back at their gathering, no problem. Uh, because I'm not, I'm never going to back down off of what I say. 
however, if anyone out there knows a, a booking agent who is willing to book a, a communist sympathizer like myself, I, I could definitely use some help <laughs> because it's been a pain in the ass uh, getting people to talk to me anymore. Uh, oh, Brando's a politician now. I'm afraid if I book him down at my show, he's going to get up there and start running off the mouth about Black Lives Matter. Well, here's the kicker. Actually, I'm not. When I go open up for David Prince, I'm just going to go out there and lay down my music the way I want to lay it down. I'm not going to make one political rant to be heard. Uh, but if somebody, again, if somebody doesn't want to be associated with me because of the things I've said, then that's fine. Because uh, I don't want to be associated with you either. So that's, that's no problem on that. Uh, but whatever comes my way in 2023, I'll be doing it. I look forward to where it's going. I'm still contributing to Midas Touch, and uh, that gig's going really well. I love working with those guys, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and plug them, folks. If you've not listened to the Midas Touch podcast or the Legal AF podcast yet, they've also got one called American PSYOP, which is about Wesley Clark Jr. Uh, Wes Clark was the presidential candidate back in 2004. Um, General Wes Clark, this is his son, has a podcast on Midas Touch. It's absolutely gold. So be sure to listen to those, and when Cecilia gets hers put together, I'll be promoting it on here too. Uh, there's a lot of good voices out there, folks, that are trying to still stand up for what's right and stand up for uh, and, and do the right thing. And uh, I'm proud to be associated with them. And uh, as we move forward into 2023, I'm going to keep on doing what I do. And I thank you guys so much for tuning in here and being with me. Uh, my coffee is starting to get cold and my coffee pot just kicked off. I got one of those coffee pots that only stay on for so long and then it just, I guess it says enough's enough. So I'm going to get one last cup of this before it, uh, I need one last hot cup to get my day going. But whatever you guys do, have the merriest of Christmases. See there, this liberal was able to say Merry Christmas. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a happy holiday. Whatever holiday you're celebrating, celebrate it. Hug those that you love. You never know uh, how much longer you're going to get to be with them. So hug everybody a little bit tighter. Even that asshole Fox News loving uncle. Give him a pat on the back. Uh, hope you all have a good 2023. I'll see you in 2023. And I'll still be over here in my little corner of the world uh, shouting down Republican Jesus. So... If you're a fan of Republican Jesus, I'm probably not the guy that you need to be listening to <laughs> because I'm going to shout that down from the, to the end of the world. So uh, anyway, guys, thank you so much for being with me. I know I rambled a whole lot today. If you turned me off, I don't give a shit. That's okay. I understand. But uh, if you listened in and you hung into the end, let me know, and uh, I'll be back here again uh, next week. Send me your questions. Send me your comments. Send me your love yous and fuck yous, whatever. Uh, I read them all. And... Um, I've had some really good fan mail and really good hate mail. And maybe, eventually, maybe I'll just start reading the hate mail on here. Some of it's pretty entertaining. But uh, anyway, until next time, I'm your old buddy, Tennessee Brando. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year. Uh, see you down the road. This has been If These Hills Could Talk, and I hope we have dismantled the Republican Jesus. Thank you for listening. I'll see you again next time.